right, here we go. Sarah here. Welcome back to another episode of Your Fucking Welcome. In what might be my dorkiest slash most exciting episode ever, we are talking about my girl, Taylor Swift. Now, I know that not all of you are Taylor Swift fans, and well, I was going to say I get it. I don't get it, but I accept it. I accept that you are not all Taylor Swift fans, and that is fine. This is not as much a Taylor Swift episode as much as it is a here's what we can learn from Taylor Swift episode because at the end of the day, regardless what kind of business you have, if you are a coach, if you are a product-based business, if you are an influencer, whatever, I think we can all agree that we wouldn't be mad at the success that Taylor Swift has had. And more importantly, the way in which she has raving fucking fans that are always just chomping at the bit to get their hands on whatever it is that she releases, that she talks about, that she does. Her fans are ravenous for her and her music and her personality, all of it. And again, I think that's something we can all agree that would be delightful in each and uh, each and every one of our businesses. And so I just wanted to break down for you a couple of the things that I think are really impressive and important and helpful lessons for you and takeaways for you that you can apply and that you can keep in mind in your own business, again, whether or not you are a fan. And so the first thing that I wanna say is that Taylor Swift never, ever, ever lets her fans down. And not only does she not let her fans down, but she always gives her fans something that they weren't expecting. And so as an example here, when she released her latest album, Midnights, when she announced it anyway, everyone was expecting her to share the next album that she was re-releasing. So in a very teeny tiny nutshell, she is re-releasing and re-recording all of her old albums because Scooter Braun, somebody who is kind of her enemy at this point, purchased all of her master recordings from her record album, her, her initial record contract back that she signed back when she was 15 years old. And so rather than her just allowing that and him just making money off of her music, she has gone ahead and started the process of re-recording all of her own albums, all of her old albums. And so two of them have been released so far. And so there are four more to go. And so of course, all of her fans are sitting there being like, what's next? What is she gonna record next? What's she gonna release next? And it had been a while since the last re-release, which was last November. And so at, she showed up at the VMAs in, I guess, September and was like, oh, surprise, I have a new album coming out, a brand new album coming out on October 21st. And again, that was a surprise to everyone. Everyone was sitting there waiting and expecting an old album. So the fact that she came out with, again, this brand new album of brand new songs, it threw everybody for a loop. And to take that even further, when she released the album a couple of weeks ago, she initially told everybody that it was going to have 13 songs. She kind of re like released the uh, the track names, all of that kind of stuff, and then put it out at midnight the day it was out. And then at 3 a.m. that same night, morning, whatever, uh, it was like, surprise, there are seven more songs. And everybody lost their shit because nobody was expecting fucking 20 new brand new songs. And again, especially coming off of like 13 songs that were already incredible that people were excited about. And then it was like, oh, just kidding for there to be seven more. It was like, holy shit. Like it was an exciting moment. And the takeaway here for you is that I want you to always remember here that over delivering is a good fucking thing delighting and surprising the people who are in your corner, the people who purchase from you, the people who are paying you, 
you going that extra mile is something that will never, ever, ever hurt you. And I know that, especially online, you know, it's such a thing to talk about basically charging as much as you possibly can and the goal being to work as little as possible. And don't get me wrong, like there's, you know, there's certainly validity to charging more and there's validity to actually letting business be easier and not, you know, over giving from a place of exhaustion or resentment or anything like that. While at the same time, the people who felt, who feel cared for by you and the people who know each and every time you do something, you put something out, they're going to get something beyond what they were promised. You are going to go above and beyond. That creates that raving fan base that again, each and every one of us wants. And like, I literally said it to myself the other day, I was laughing at myself and I'm like, you know, if I can really trust that like Taylor Swift will never, ever, ever let me down, I can trust that in a man too, right? Because truly, I think you can ask all Taylor Swift fans and across the board, she always gives us something that we, again, we're not expecting, but it's always so much better than the thing that we were expecting. And so I just want you to understand and feel and embrace the importance of that and the power of that when it comes to your own brand, because your people that have purchased from you one time, the people who are about to purchase from you, they want to, again, be thrilled and delighted and happy with what it is that they are receiving from you. And so don't undervalue the importance or the power of putting out surprises from time to time, giving them something that they weren't completely expecting, giving them something beyond what it is that they paid for. Because again, that is going to keep your people coming back over and over and over again. And it's going to establish fans for life, not just a one-off, you know, success here. It's about creating long-term successful, sustainable businesses. And that's such a big part of how you do that. Okay. The second thing is that Taylor keeps her finger on the pulse of her people in her way, but she keeps her finger on the pulse of her people. And I know that I have used that line with you many times before because it's such an important principle to me when I think about my own business. Like I don't want to create a circumstance where I am completely separate from my audience or I'm completely disconnected from my community. I don't want to feel that way, not only because it feels good to kind of like be in it with the people, but more than that, because I mean, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't hearing from you guys, right? Like if I wasn't connected to you, I don't know what I would create. I don't know what I would offer. I need to feed off of that energy in order to feel excited and inspired to create new things. And so again, Taylor Swift being one of the biggest, you know, stars in the world, the fact that she's still, she's been known to like pay attention to people's Twitter or fans, tumblers, things like that. She'll go ahead from time to time and like, like fans, TikTok videos, so on and so forth. And so it's like this vibe, this energy of like, she's always watching. She might not, you know, have her comments turned on on Instagram or things like that. And she might not obviously be like literally somebody you can access. She's obviously inaccessible to 99.9% of us, but there is that again, finger on the pulse of her audience where fans feel that fans know that like they're cared for in that way. And again, that is really powerful in terms of creating somebody who is going to be a fan, not only one time, but for years and years and years. Another example of this is that up until I think 2019 was the last time she did it. I think obviously probably COVID has something to do with this, but like up until 2019, her album Lover, she had for, I think every album, don't quote me on that, but I think for every single album, she had done like record pre-release parties in her home. So I think with Lover, for example, I think she did like four of them, but she has homes in, I think like Nashville, London, uh, LA, and maybe New York. Again, don't quote me on that, but I think that's the truth. 
She has like, she'll do parties in her home, literally in her home for like hundreds of fans where she's had people into her home and played the albums before they've actually been out. She's baked cookies, so on and so forth. And like, she creates this experience for her people. And I remember, I think it was like Vogue, maybe uh, they did an interview with her back in 2019. They're like, why do you still do that? That's, you know, so abnormal or so like unheard of when it comes to big celebrities. And she was like, honestly, I've ne my fans have never given me a reason not to. And I just felt like that was such like a powerful re representation of the trust. Obviously, you know, I, uh, let's, let's be honest here. I know that there are bodyguards and lots of security taken into account here. I'm not pretending that like she's literally the only one baking the cookies and so on and so forth. I'm not trying to over romanticize it at all. But like at the end of the day, again, one of the biggest fans in the world opening up her home to her fans and like these are like her top fans i think it's something with they pay attention to like who has you know bought the most tickets for concerts so on and so forth i don't know exactly how it's done but it's still it's an impressive feat in my opinion that again there is that sense of there's that sense of a relationship with her fans there's that sense of caring there's that sense of like wanting to give back and again fans can feel that and you know with all of these celebrities we, we can make the argument that it's all total bullshit. Maybe it's, maybe it is, right? Again, maybe if you're listening to this and you're not a Taylor Swift fan, I'll give you that. Maybe it is all total bullshit. She doesn't give a shit at all. Maybe it is, but it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel that way to her audience. And so again, her, her fans knowing and feeling that, 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 that sense of being cared for by this person that they are such a big fan of, that just amplifies the love that's there. That just amplifies the fandom. That just amplifies and turns up the dial on how much people care for and appreciate and how much they're going to show up for her the next time she puts something out. And so again, the lesson here for you is that like, I don't want you to ever be disconnected from your people. I don't want you to ever underestimate or undervalue the power that having a connection with your people and your people feeling cared for has when it comes to just building a wildly successful and sustainable business for years and years to come. So the next thing is that I really embrace and appreciate and respect the way in which she does things her way. And this is especially true as she has gotten older, as she has matured. And the, the thing that I want to say about this is that especially when Taylor Swift first came out, you know, she was looked at as obviously like a young girl. And I feel like in a lot of cases, she was kind of like the butt of the joke. And, oh, you know, here's this girl who talks about breakups all the time and is crying about boys, so on and so forth. And I definitely think that if we're talking about like media things, there was definitely less respect given to her than should have been or, you know, should be given to anybody. Right. And as she has gotten older and has become more successful, it has been cool to witness the way in which she has kind of like stepped into her own in terms of really controlling and like taking a stand in terms of the narrative around her or the things that she subjects herself to. And, you know, an example of this is that you'll notice that when, you know, she's promoting anything, there are only a couple shows or media appearances that she'll actually do. And while I am somebody who I really respect and appreciate natural, open, honest conversations where somebody is not being super scripted or guarded or anything like that, I, I think that's like a really good thing. I think there's a lot of validity to her it being very clear that she takes control of, again, what show she's going to be on and what questions are actually going to be asked 
as opposed to earlier on in her career where, again, I think a lot of times she wasn't necessarily respected and she would be put on the spot or she would be put into a spot where she didn't actually want to be and kind of, again, like the butt of the joke. And it feels like a really cool thing, again, to watch her just be really in control of how things go down. Um, And I think this is a takeaway for all of you in the sense that, like, I have spoken so many times to clients who – Let's say, you know, oh, I went on this podcast, but then I wasn't allowed to pitch or I did this, you know, joint venture with XYZ and I didn't get the I didn't get the recordings at the end or I didn't like how it went for whatever reason. And I know that there is this argument that, you know, opportunities if we're invited onto a podcast or, you know, whatever, like we're teaming up with somebody, there's a lot of validity to the argument that like we should take advantage of, op- of those opportunities. You never know what can come from it. And again, that's true. While at the same time, I think it's really important for each and every one of us to remember that no matter where we are in our business, we are a high value human being and we're here to do things strategically and intentionally versus just showing up wherever we'll be had and acting like we're happy to be there. If I were to be asked onto, again, a podcast or to do, I don't know, a joint training for somebody's program, whatever, how much am I getting paid? What are the terms? What do I need to know on my end to know that it is actually advantageous to me and is going to make me look good and is going to be beneficial to my brand overall versus just subjecting myself to something that is completely off brand, that nothing came of it for me, right? Like even, you know, again, a a conversation I'll have with a lot of clients is like they'll feel pressured to, I don't know, be on a podcast of somebody and say yes to it. Whereas like the podcast has no followers and, or like that person has no followers. And again, not that that's a bad thing. I'm not sitting there saying to like be unkind or I don't know, just like overly ruthless with like, oh, this isn't worth it for me. While at the same time, all of our time is valuable and our energy is valuable and it's limited. And so you just saying yes to any little thing is something that I think hurts a lot of people. And so again, this is just a reminder here that like you get to be in charge of how things go. You are not just subject to how somebody else wants to operate when it comes to teaming up with you or or speaking to you, whatever. You get to be in charge of how it goes and you have the right to ask questions or to kind of set the tone for how something is going to go before you say yes to it. And it's never too late to start doing that for yourself. Because again, if we look at the old version of Taylor versus now, it is a very clear difference and a very clear change in how those conversations and how those press situations go down. And like I said, regardless of where you are in your business, I really think that's a lesson that you can take away and hold on to and implement when it comes to anything that you do. A couple other examples of this are like, uh, you know, back in 2020, uh, Taylor Swift released an album called Folklore. And she also released another one a couple months later called Evermore. And both times it was a situation where literally in the morning, nobody saw anything coming. And it was in the morning. It was like, oh, surprise, there's a new album coming out at midnight. And even again, like I said before, with the situation where she released Midnight's and it was 13 songs initially. And then she was like, oh, surprise, you know, uh, seven more songs. Or just the fact that when she released Midnight's this last time, there was no single. Nobody heard a single beforehand. It was just, you know, she held on to the entire album until it was actually released. And so those are just examples of like shaking up the launch process and not necessarily adhering to how you believe things have to go, right? Normally, 
typically speaking, most artists will release a single a little bit beforehand to kind of like pump up the album and get people excited about the album and then release the album for her to do it like surprise at midnight or to again, not have a single leading up to this latest album. It's a little bit different. And I'm not pretending she's the only one who has ever done this. I know like Beyonce has done surprise albums and I'm sure many other artists. So again, I'm not trying to act like what she did was revolutionary here, but it felt like a good takeaway for you in the sense that I see so many of you adhering to rules that you've been taught that were never actually factually true in the first place, right? Like nobody says you have to do a flash sale for five days. Nobody says you have to launch for three weeks, so on and so forth. You get to shake it up. You get to do things in a little bit different of a way. And again, this is a testament to the fact that when you have raving fans, when you have an audience that feels connected to you and cares about you and they have been delivered to, it makes it even easier to do that. You don't have to follow rules because your people will follow you anywhere. They'll do whatever it is that you're putting out because they trust you and they're connected to you in that way. And so again, it gives you that freedom to not feel like you have to do things a certain way just because it's been done that way before. And again, I think that's a really powerful reminder for myself and as well for you. And then the final thing that I want to say is that I really respect and appreciate and again, think it's it's a beautiful lesson for each and every one of us. The way in which Taylor Swift has done a good job of capitalizing on shitty things. If we're going back to the example of her master albums being uh, purchased by Scooter Braun, who again is like this enemy in, in, in several ways, not to get into the backstory of all of that, but like even when that happened initially, she was like, this is my worst case scenario. Her first six albums, the masters, like from the time she was, you know, a teenager to beyond, those first six studio albums, the master tracks were purchased by this person. She was not given the opportunity to purchase them on her own. And so therefore this person that she does not like, she doesn't respect, has the opportunity now to profit off of all of her own music, the music that she wrote, the music that she recorded. And it feels just like a shitty thing to like, just the way in which that happens to women and just people in general where like somebody can put their blood, sweat and tears into something. And then somebody else who has done nothing gets to profit off of it. And not only did she re-record her albums or is in the process of re-recording them all, but each and every time so far that she's put them out, she has blown away what was in place in the first place. So as an example, this last album that she re-released was called Red. Uh, and her song on it, All Too Well, is like, I think if you ask 99% of Taylor Swift fans, All Too Well is like the best song ever. Like it's their favorite song of hers. And it's just an incredible song, myself included. And she had hinted when that album came out, which was back in, I guess, like 2014, I guess. I think it's 2014. I'm tired. Otherwise, I would feel like I would know that exact year. But I think, no, that's a, no, it definitely wasn't 2014. It was probably closer to like 2012. Let's go with 2012. When Red was released in 2012, All Too Well became a fan favorite very quickly. And at some point, she had hinted that there's a 10-minute version of this song. So it was already a six-minute song about, and she hinted that there was a 10-minute version, but she had to, like, chop it down because, obviously, 10-minute songs are outrageous. And so when she re-released Red, when she re-recorded Red and re-released it, she added on a bunch of bonus tracks. And not only did she, of course, re-record All Too Well, but she also re-released 
All Too Well, the 10-minute version. And that song has gone on to break a bunch of records and to win a bunch of awards, so on and so forth, making the old version of Red just kind of like obsolete, right? Nobody cares about the old version of Red. Not only did she give us new versions of all of these incredible songs, but she gave it to us even better than it was in the first place. And so again, an example here where like shitty things will happen for each and every one of our businesses and each of our lives, all of that kind of stuff. And you can have your moment and you can have the pity party and you can feel frustrated and you can be pissed off at the people who have done you wrong, of course. But I think it's so cool that all of us are in this position where we can take something that something crappy that has happened to us and we can turn it around and turn it into money, but also turn it into something that helps a lot of other people, that does a lot of good for other people. Like I feel like the things that I have struggled with the most, the things that have created the most pain for me have been some of the most beautiful and powerful things that I've gone on to create and sell and that therefore have been powerful and beautiful for other people too. And so... I just want to remind you of that because each and every one of us are going to have moments where we feel victimized, where we feel like we are the victim of somebody else's stuff. And like I said, you get to feel shitty about it. You get to feel wronged about it, all of those kind of things. But it's so damn powerful to remember that like, okay, this just happened to me. I'm going to turn around. And I'm going to make this advantageous to me in some way. I'm going to turn turn this whole situation around and actually be able to walk away from it feeling victorious instead of like the victim. And like I said, every one of us has the opportunity to do that. It's not always, you know, immediately in front of our faces, of course, because it can be difficult at times, but embracing and remembering your power here that you can capitalize on the shitty things, again, is really, really, really important and is something that I think should be a guiding principle in all of our businesses. And so that's what I wanted to say today. Uh, right now, I'm in the process of launching a brand new program that I am so fucking excited about, Unapologetic Empire. And especially if we're talking about that last point that I just shared with you, this is the epitome of that. There have been so many times in my business where I have doubted myself or I have felt like I had to do things other people's way or I didn't think I was enough in this way or I thought I should say things that way, so on and so forth. And... I really feel so proud of the fact that the most money, the most success has been in my business, has been created in my business when I have said, fuck all of that. And I have come from this place of certainty. This is how I want to do things. This is how I see things. This is how, who I want to be. And I want to own every part of me instead of not embracing the things that make me me, making myself wrong for who I am. Though that's been the time, those have been the times when I've struggled the most in business. Instead of saying, you know what? This is who I am. This is how I do things. And instead of, again, running from it or not embracing it, I'm going to own the fuck out of it. I'm going to turn it into money and I'm going to turn it into success. And that to me is what Unapologetic Empire is all about. It is about you taking your business into your own hands, writing your own rules for how you do things. We're getting into all the nitty gritty, everything from offers to boundaries. And I'm sharing all of this in a way that I haven't shared it before because sure, there's going to be some overlap from like 500K sales system when we're giving a coupon to those who have taken that program before because of that overlap, but it's all, all, all being delivered and shared through a new lens and through a lens that I'm not teaching you how I do things. I'm really teaching you how to do things your way. And that feels so exciting and so important to me. And so doors close next Friday. We start next week. Um, and so of course, as always, saturday.com for all the details on that, but I would love to have you. I think it's an important program to be a part of. It's going to be one of my new signature programs. Um, 
Um, and again, I'm just thrilled about it. I'm excited about it. And I would love, love, love to have you, of course. And so check that out and I will talk to you in the next episode. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I would really, really, really appreciate it if you took the time to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps the show a ton and I would be super grateful.